it's my belief that the church of Jesus Christ is a prophetic church. Now, I think it's important that when we look at the book of Acts that we don't merely see it as a, as a narrative. It is a narrative in terms of literature, but the book of Acts is actually the blueprint that we have for the New Testament church. Now, I, I want to be very clear about that. Because when you know that and you believe that the book of Acts is not just something that has happened that is really awesome, but you believe it's sort of a manual, so to speak, or a blueprint for the New Testament church, you realize it's not just descriptive of events that have transpired at some point in history, but it's prescriptive for our lives as believers. And so I want to teach you from that vantage point, knowing that these stories did happen, And what we're going to talk about happened, but they were also written for us in today's world as well. And I think it's really important that we understand that because everything that we practice as Christians comes from what we believe. It comes from what we believe. Some would say, you know, show me a person's practice and I'll show you their beliefs. You say, I believe in this, but to what end? God wants us to not only believe something was true, but that it's also true for our lives today. You know, and I think that's actually the way to look at Scripture. It's not that we see Scripture has, you know, these are stories and, and sort of a collection, a library of, of things gone by, but these are things that God still wants to do in our lives today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And certainly we want to rightly divide the word of truth, but as it pertains to us as a New Testament church, we are a prophetic people. And this I know for the Bible tells me so. And if you're not convinced, my goal tonight is to share with you and show you that the Bible tells us that every person in this room can prophesy. Every person in this room can prophesy. So let me give you a basic theology of the prophetic church as I'm explaining it to you this evening. We all know Jesus came into his ministry about three years prior to his death and resurrection, he walked with his disciples for about three years. We know that he died for the forgiveness of our sins. He rose again on the third day, and he visits with his disciples for a number of days until he ascends into heaven at the right hand of the Father, and he tells his disciples that the promised Holy Spirit is going to come. In fact, we read about that in Luke 24, John chapter 20. He tells them to wait in Jerusalem till the promise of the Father would come. He says that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, right? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. I want you to wait in Jerusalem. So that's what the disciples do. The disciples are waiting in Jerusalem for the promise that Jesus said is coming, the promised Holy Spirit. Now, I don't personally believe that they know what's going to happen. I don't think that they have had some kind of manual for when Holy Spirit comes, a flame of fire is going to burn over my head, wind's going to come. I don't think they knew. They just knew they were waiting in obedience to Jesus for what was going to come. And I think they would know when it did happen, when the Holy Spirit would be poured out. The day of Pentecost came. There were 120 believers gathered together. They were praying and waiting as we... I've already said, and it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, it says, suddenly there came something of like a mighty rushing wind into the room where they were all gathered. I don't know what that would be like. I kind of like have this idea that a wind would come and everybody's hair would go sideways and hats would blow off. And, you know, I think it would be a great meeting. 
I mean, I would love it if the Holy Spirit would just, the breath of God would come into a, a room like this. That would be fantastic as far as I'm concerned. You know, we want to interrupt this normal broadcast from a message from our sponsor. I would enjoy. That would be a great meeting. It says that flames of fire rested on each one and they spoke in tongues or they spoke in other languages. In fact, when you read the account, what you see is that there's 13 different dialects. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes, these people that receive that, these 120 believers, somehow they were in a home or they were in a house or an upper room of some kind, and now they're out in the streets or they're out in a, where, in a place where people can hear them and see them, and some think these people are drunk because they're just overjoyed with what's happening, and others are saying, no, this is something astonishing. This is something amazing. And they're listening to them praise God in their own dialect. And you count how many different dialects were spoken. And it's 13 different dialects were spoken right then and right there in this moment. In fact, Joel chapter 2 prophesies that this moment was going to occur. And you know what I think? I don't think these people were just Pentecostals that were drunk in the Holy Ghost. Excuse me if that was, I won't do that again, but... <laughs> But sometimes people read the account of Acts chapter 2 and they just think, oh, we're just drunk in the Holy Ghost. I mean, God does do some things like that, but that's not a proof text for it. I think that they were so overjoyed that a moment of history had come upon them that they just couldn't contain themselves. I mean, imagine if there was a prophecy 400 years ago that literally was fulfilled in this gathering tonight. Would that make some of you, you that don't dance, dance? Would that make some of you that don't smile, smile? Bump your neighbor that's not smiling and say, you better. I'm talking about a prophecy. I'm talking about a real prophecy that was written down, that was believed was going to come to pass. And these 120 came into the fulfillment of that. And they weren't just drunk like Pentecostals we think of. They were Pentecostal, but they received something and a moment of history fell upon them and they couldn't contain it. And you wouldn't be able to either. And so they spoke in tongues and they prophesied and they glorified God. And Peter gets up to explain in Acts chapter 2 verse 15. And this is what he says. He says, for these men are not drunk as you suppose. For it is only the third hour of the day. That's 9 a.m. They're not drunk. That's not what's happening here. This is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And then he quotes Joel chapter 2. And it shall be in the last days, God says... That I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. That's the second time. People will prophesy. It's said twice. That's important. I will grant wonders in the sky above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's at that, in that moment we want to smile. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In this passage, we see the birth of the church, at least the Jewish church. Acts chapter 10, we see the birth of the Gentile church, and God's plan is to bring Jew and Gentile together. And what's important in this passage, as we see the birth of the church, so to speak, is that it's this recalling of an old prophecy. Some say 400 years, some say 800 years old. 
it says that they shall prophesy. And this is really important for us to grasp why they're talking about prophesying. Ben, why are they? I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. See, I told you I got it from the Bible. I told you that. Two things you see from the passage. The first is the Spirit will be poured out on all people. You see the emphasis there. In the Old Testament, only people of position were empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're talking about prophets, priests, kings, and judges. These four positions were the assignments that God's Holy Spirit would anoint or empower. And so this shift that the Scriptures is prophesying about is is a massive issue, which is why they were overjoyed. Because common people, men and women, young and old, all of a sudden could experience what only prophets, priests, kings, and judges could experience. What was reserved for the few of the old covenant is now distributed to the many in the new covenant. This is an important shift that has happened in history, and it affects every person in this room today. The outpouring of the Spirit was specific, it was positional, and it was retractable in the Old Covenant. And we know this because in Psalm 51, chapter 51, verse 11, this is what David says after he's reflecting on his sin of adultery and then murder. He says this to the Lord because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit in his position. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. David knew as he misrepresented the Lord as God's king that God would remove the anointing off of his life. Why? Because it was given to him based on his position and now he's misrepresenting God in his position. And so he says to the Lord in his sin, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And what we need to know is that we are not like David under the old covenant. We are like Jesus under the new covenant in that he paid a price so that the Holy Spirit would live in me. Not just come upon me. And so we, you and I, now can have what people, common people in the Old Testament could not have. And it started on the day that we just read. This is where Pentecostals get their theology from. Now, I'm not saying it always makes a lot of sense when people say it. But this is really, really good stuff. <laughs> David was anointed of the Spirit as a king and he knew he could lose that anointing. But not like you. Peter says that God is going to pour out his spirit on all genders, generations, and nations, which means not just young, not just old, not just people of position or status, and not just Jewish, but Jew and Gentile. This prophecy was massive. The second thing we notice from this scripture is all will be able to prophesy. In the Old Testament, hearing the voice of God was not, among, was not for the common people. You could have the priests who had the Urim and the Thummim. You have prophets who were the mouthpiece of the Lord. They would certainly hear the voice of God, and occasionally kings would hear the voice of God. Sometimes they would inquire through the prophet. All of these people were mediators, and here's what we need to hear tonight. There were mediators between God and man, but the new covenant says there is no mediator between God and man except the man Jesus Christ. And Hebrews chapter 1 follows this concept up and tells us in the last days God spoke to his prophets through dreams and visions, but now he speaks through his son, which does not just mean that he speaks in the Bible, but he speaks through his son. His son is the one that's captured our hearts, and it's through him as a mediator that you and I, through the power and the precious Holy Spirit, can now hear the voice of God, and we can also hear the voice of God for other people. What I'm saying is, is that we can do 
what people of position in the old covenant alone could do. It's fantastic. Our theology of prophecy is defined by our theology of the Holy Spirit. And, the, and this theology says we can. God is going to speak to and through everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. You can prophesy because the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit comes upon you to be a witness of Jesus Christ. We can prophesy because we represent Jesus. And we don't just speak for him. We speak from him. The Holy Spirit lives too close for you not to hear him. This is my theology. It doesn't fit in every cessationist camp, but I like it. You know, for me, it wasn't about theology that convinced me at first. When I became a Christian at 19, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. I encountered the Lord. You couldn't take, you can't, you could try, you could debate me all you want. You could be smarter than me in the scriptures. In fact, some of you are, and I'd be like, cool. But I heard the voice of God. And you can't steal that from me. Because it wasn't a man's wisdom that gave it to me. So man's wisdom can't take it away from me. I encountered the Lord. People say, why'd you write a book called Hearing God? I know it's a second shameless plug. I, can't, I don't make any money off it anyway, so I don't. Why did you write a book called Hearing God? I'll tell you why. Because I heard the voice of God. I heard God. And th this is the theology that I ended up coming to, and I realize there are many in the body of Christ that don't believe this. You know, sometimes they'll say other things like, well, I had a real peace in my heart. And I'm like, well, what does that, what does that mean? Sometimes you're sitting there and a person gives you really good advice. You're like, that was really good advice. It might have been God advice. It might have been a prophetic word. Just because people don't say, yea, I say unto thee, thus saith the Lord. You know, Elizabethan English, you know. <laughs> I know some of you like that. But it's old English is what it is. And by the way, there are over 430 archaic words that are not found in the English dictionary that are in your King James Bible. So I just want to... Throw that out there for you King James only people, but uh, not even in the dictionary. It means we don't know what they mean. <laughs> read them anyway, so. We are prophetic people because of the outpouring, the baptism, the filling of God's Holy Spirit. So the question is not, can you prophesy? Can you minister by the Spirit? The question is, are you baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit? No. Are you baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit? The answer is we can be if we're not. Now, again, if I just gave you a simple theology of the Holy Spirit, when we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit makes us alive. He comes to live in our spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, we were dead in our sins and our transgressions. We are dead. We need to be born again. When we trust Christ with our heart, we surrender fully to him. The Holy Spirit makes us alive. That's what it means to be born again. He comes to live inside of us. But that's not all the Holy Spirit wants to do. That's just the first thing that he does. Theologically, it means he regenerates us. He makes us alive. But this is just the beginning. But now what he wants to do is he wants to empower us. He wants to baptize us. The word baptize is not a holy word. We get real hung up on some of these words. The word baptize or baptism in Greek, it just means to immerse, to saturate, to fully cover. I mean, it's silly, but you could baptize your chicken in barbecue sauce. <laughs> it's not a, I know it sounds irreverent, but it's not, it's a descriptive word. It's not a, it's not a definitional word. It describes something that is taking place. What is taking place? Someone is being immersed, baptized into power. 
in Acts chapter 1-8 says, for the purpose of being a witness of Jesus Christ. But we get hung up on the word baptism depending upon your background. Maybe you always thought of baptism as a specific thing, but there's being baptized into the body of Christ. There's being baptized in water for the remission of our sins. There's being baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. The word baptized is a description word to describe something that is taking place. So if you break out your concordance and you start to read the word baptized and you think every instance where the word baptized or baptism is used, you think they're all the same experience. They're not. It's just describing various things. That was a free lesson. That was a lot there. (laughs) But it's really important that we understand words that are descriptive versus words that carry definition. Are you baptized, immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit? That question is not, do you have the Holy Spirit? If you're born again, if you belong to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living in your spirit. He's made you alive. You're born again. You're alive to God in Christ. And so as spirit-baptized believers, we can speak from the Holy Spirit. He will speak to us just like we read about in Scripture. Now, I'm going to clear some things up because I want to talk to you now about what is prophecy because I've already convinced you that you can prophesy. But that doesn't mean that you know what prophecy is. So what is prophecy? A prophecy, this is my definition, is a message inspired by God communicated through a person. This is very broad and it's meant to be that way. A message that is inspired by God, communicated through a person. When you study the word prophecy in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you quickly see it can refer to two primary things. Not just one, there's two primary things. The first is foretelling. And this is to speak what the future will hold before it happens. Okay, that's what most of us think about when we think of prophesy. We think, I'm going to talk about end time events, things that are going to happen at the end of the world, because that's what everybody that prophesied in the Bible talked about, right? No, that's not true, actually. I thought that because I was told that, but then when you start studying scripture, a lot of what prophecy is, isn't that. But we think of prophecy primarily as foretelling, which is to speak about something before it happens. And you know, like I do, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, whole books have been dedicated to prophecies that were given that never came to pass. I've sat in meetings where people have given prophecies that never came to pass. And um, we, we all know there's just been a lot of nonsense in the name of the Holy Spirit and the name of prophecy. And that's not what I'm talking to you about today. In fact, you know, I, w- I want to just say this very, very, very clearly. I want prophecy, I want the gifts of the Spirit to be healthy. I want them to be naturally supernatural. I want them to be daily. I want them to be normal. Whenever I see somebody just getting strange and calling it the Holy Spirit, I'm like, I don't want to blame the, the whole... That's awesome what's happening right now. It's all good. It had to happen right during that moment. It's all right, Anne. I love you. I called you out. I just called your name. It's, I shouldn't have done that. It's all right. But I want this to be healthy, normal, sane. I think it's really important. If God chooses to show up in power in a way that confounds us and doesn't make sense, fine, but let's not make it happen, you know, because that's what people are really, they're really put off by, to be quite honest with you. I traveled around, I'd see all kinds of stuff, and I, I, I can guarantee you that there's a lot of people that aren't, aren't going back to any Pentecostal charismatic churches anytime soon because they had a really bad experience. And part of why I want to teach on this as clearly as I can and provide a biblical basis for what we're talking about is because it's really in Scripture and it's really healthy. And we want the fruit of prophecy. We want the fruit of spiritual gifts. And we have to have this. The Bible talks about it for, uh, for those purposes. So foretelling is this 
speaking beforehand regarding the future. And forthtelling is the second definition of prophecy, which means to speak forth the present priorities of God. To speak forth the present priorities of God. It's possible that some of us have only heard about biblical prophecy. Maybe those watching, maybe a few of us in the room. We think of biblical prophecy as the book of Revelation, coupled with the book of Daniel and Ezekiel and Jonathan Cain or Khan's book called Blood Moons. We kind of maybe think that. But there is an element of biblical prophecy that we're not talking about tonight. I'm talking about charismatic gifts prophecy. I'm not talking about um, eschatology. And I don't mean to put that down because there is something to be said for the unfolding events at the end of the age. I do think a lot of people are very confused about that. But I think there is something to be said for that because the Bible teaches that these things will occur at the end of the age. That's not what we're talking about um, tonight, and I think that because some have that thinking about biblical prophecy, even while I'm talking or as I've shared this at various places, I've noticed that some just don't have a grid for the charismatic gifts. That what First Corinthians chapter 12 talks about, what Romans chapter 12 talks about, what Ephesians 4 talks about when it talks about a prophet specifically in the new covenant. We tend to think biblical prophecy, and we tend to set all of the prophets on this like pedestal and nobody is like them and I want, I want to say I want to ask a question it's rhetorical please don't answer how many prophets do you think are mentioned in the Old Testament just in your mind just do, 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 you know if you know your Bible if, if, if you don't if you don't know the answer that's cool but just think about it for a second how many prophets are mentioned in the Old Testament how many of you think there's more than 20 how many think there's more than a hundred I see you, Mark. Okay, a couple of you saw Mark's hand and you went up. Okay. Okay, more than 100. Yeah. How many, how many wrote scripture? More than 10? Less than 20. So we have, I just want you to think about this for a second. In the Old Testament, because there's this mindset out there. Let me tell you why I'm saying this. There's this mindset out there that every prophet mentioned in the Bible wrote scripture. Right, well, that's, that's the idea, Right. Because they all foretold future events, right? So everybody that claims to prophesy today in today's world needs to be sort of equated to the prophets in the Old Testament who always spoke forth messianic prophecies. They, they wrote scripture. So anybody that claims to be a prophet, have the gift of prophecy, are sort of claiming that level. That's not true at all. There are hundreds of prophets that are mentioned, not by name. There's probably like 43 that are mentioned by name, and there's hundreds that are referred to, and only 16, if my calculation is right, only 16 actually wrote Scripture. And the other ones, there's many of them that said, so-and-so prophesied among the people, but it never says what they prophesied. You know why? It's because their prophecy wasn't meant to be recorded for us in our generation. See, the scriptures were written in such a way where those things that were specific were meant to be transferred to the next generation. So we have these books of the Bible. And it's really important for you and I to know that. There were many who didn't just foretell future, future events. They foretold in their generation. They spoke from the Holy Spirit in those moments, in those instances, to those people, what they needed to hear. And God has always done that in every generation. He has called people to prophesy. And what's unique about our our generation, after the, the power of the Holy Spirit coming, is that you and I, as a community of people, can all prophesy one to another. This is fantastic. This is the charismatic gift of prophecy. 
According to scripture, there are different aspects of this empowerment, though, and, and that really is important to know. Now, I'll just mention it. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through about 16, the apostle Paul says, yeah, it's not on your notes. You can flip them. It's not there. It's a, it's a note you got to write. Diligent, though, you are. Diligent. Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul talks about, and he, Jesus, gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the works of service. And I want you to recognize this. It's really important to note that a prophet in the new covenant, not the old covenant, in the new covenant, no prophet in the new covenant wrote scripture. It never happened. Apostles wrote scripture. He gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There are many prophets that are mentioned in the book of Acts. None of them wrote scripture. It's important for us to realize that. They were encouragers of the church. They were exhorters of the church. Occasionally, Agabus and a few others did foretell future events, but the majority of them would foretell. They would speak into divine wisdom and counsel and exhortation into situations and into circumstances. And this was common. There are many that were mentioned, but there were some prophets. There are some prophets sitting among us right here and right now. But we have this idea, again, that prophets are like, oh, that's a, that's a prophet. Or that person says they're a prophet. It's a job description. It's an anointing that God gives to equip God's people for works of service. What's the work of service that prophets today are called to equip the people of God to do? Hear the voice of God and prophesy. That's what they're called to do. They are called to equip the spirit-baptized community of Christians to hear the voice of God for themselves because they don't, they don't have to have Moses walk up the mountain anymore and come back down. They're called to call people up to the mountain to hear God for themselves. That's the, that's the job and the role of the prophet of today. It's not to write scripture, and there's only 16 in the Old Covenant that ever did anyway, so it wasn't actually a common thing if we've already said there were hundreds and only six. Anyways, you're with me? <laughs> New Covenant prophets, I refer you to my book. Number two, there is a prophetic gift. Romans chapter 12 mentions what I'm calling a motivational gift. Some of us in this room have the gift of prophecy, all right? Some of us have, and you might say, well, I don't have the gift of prophecy, so I can't prophesy. Just hold on for a couple more minutes. That's not true. Some of us have the gift of prophecy, but thirdly, all of us can prophesy according to Acts chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which we're going to read in just a second. All of us can hear from the Holy Spirit and speak to others what he is saying, even if it just is really simple and it sounds like encouragement. It still does not come from me and you. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we think too highly of our own thoughts, <laughs> I am pretty wise, you know. Oh, you're not. Gosh. You can barely rub two sticks together. Go to trail life. My gosh. That was the shameless plug, trail life. Trail life. But you understand what I'm saying? So how do I know if I have the gift of prophecy or if I'm just a believer that is spirit baptized that can prophesy? I'm glad you asked that question. It's a really good question. You know because this is, this is how I would say it. It's a really silly illustration. I'm going to give it to you anyways. Um, everybody has a faucet, right? People that have the gift of prophecy, they don't have to turn the faucet on. The water just flows. But everybody else, 
that is, doesn't have the gift of prophecy can just turn on the faucet and the water will flow. The water being the prophetic word from the Holy Spirit. Like, I, I recognize, and I, I don't have a problem saying this, I'm not boasting or anything, but when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I just had prophetic experiences. They started happening to me. And I wasn't in the right church <laughs> at the time. I totally honored them, but they were like, not, it wasn't the right, you know, it's not the right environment. Do you understand what I'm saying without, okay, all right. They were like, you just need to go read the Bible because apparently you don't, you know. I was zealous, it's true, but I just noticed things would happen to me. I would look at people. I would just be in worship. I, I, I didn't even have to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me for a person. I would just be standing next to them. I would be, I would be at the store. I would be at church. It happens more at church because the manifest presence of the Lord is stronger when we gather together, and it's just sort of like your battery gets fully powered up. That's <laughs> why so we need to come to church and gather together. You know, it's just battery on full. And we go out and we minister out of that power because when we come together, God does something in his manifest presence that none of us can really explain, but it's absolutely true. It's just like everybody throws their fire into the bonfire and just is bigger. And so I would recognize that stuff would happen to me, but I also, as I began to teach hearing the voice of God, I noticed that people that had never prophesied before, they, hey, Ben, I don't hear God like you do. So I'd start asking questions. Were you ever driving, you ever driving down the road in your car and all of a sudden a name pops in your mind? Like, hey, I should call Jane. Do you, do you ever have that happen? And they go, yeah. And I go, well, do you think that's just a random thought? And they go, I don't know. Have you ever called Jane? <laughs> no, you probably should. But what if what we lack is equipping? What if what we lack is the environment that ignites this type of thing among us? So, I mean, I, I've had people walk up after these types of gatherings. No, I don't think anybody will do it at Northwest Church. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, they're going to have to see me on Sunday. So it's, it's not a good thing to do. But maybe. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. But I've had people walk up and just straight challenge me. You know, and not even do it nicely, which I think is Anyways, but they, but, and, and I'm okay with people disagreeing with me. By the way, it's totally fine to disagree as long as we just do it based on Scripture because we have to live by conviction. And to do that, you have to live by the conviction of Scripture. You can't just live on our opinions like, I don't think that's true. Why? I don't know. I mean, that's just a really bad way to live. It's just a bad way to live. Or I was taught this growing up. Well, great, you can be untaught it. You know, some of the things that we were taught by well-meaning, godly, even smart people are wrong. It's wrong. Some things were wrong. Has anybody been taught anything that was wrong in this room besides me? Yeah, you later find out that was not right. Good try. It's not right. And we, so what I'm saying is, is that it's really important for us to know what we believe and why we believe it. That's why I'm going after the whole belief system before we even minister. A lot of folks just say, hey, let's just prophesy. No, you need to have a theology based on the Bible because then you can step out on Scripture for a long period of time. I don't just want to have a fun night. I want to have people that are spirit baptized that prophesy everywhere they go. There's a big difference. And so if we want the longevity of ministering in the spirit, then we have to be spirit-empowered people, and it has to be rooted in the Bible. And when it's rooted in the Bible, then we've got something to go with when we wake up in the morning every day of our life, and not just reflecting back on some great meeting that we had, where we had the goosebumps and all, and all, and all of that. 
So some have a prophetic gift, which means that the water is just flowing. You know, if you're abiding in Jesus, the water is just flowing. You don't typically have to ask God for prophetic words. They just come to you. You probably have a prophetic gift. Some of us have a prophetic anointing, or all of us have a prophetic anointing, sorry. The manifestational gift of prophecy made available to all of us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are nine spiritual gifts that are mentioned. Some would say they're not gifts, they're actually spirituals. They're manifestations of the Spirit. I believe, and my new book called Spiritually Gifted that will be out next, next year, <laughs> does share... My personal position is that all of those nine spirituals, spiritual manifestations in 1 Corinthians 12, are made available to every believer. You can minister in all of those. And we've had real bad spiritual gift teaching. Now, there's a proper exegesis for all this stuff. When you read 1 Corinthians 12, you have to know who wrote it, who they wrote it to, why they wrote it, and what that means for us today. That's a proper hermeneutic, okay? The science of interpretation as it pertains to Scripture. You cannot take 1 Corinthians 12, Thessalonians 5, 1 Peter chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, and Romans 12, and put all of those together and say, here's 22 gifts, and here's a test, and you can figure out what gift you have. That is not theology. That is a manufactured way of trying to write a book. I don't know what it's about, but it's, it, that's what it's about. It's not, we've had a lot of really bad teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. Romans chapter 12 are motivational gifts. Everybody in this room has one of those seven gifts that is written down in Romans chapter 12, and you see that based on a proper hermeneutic of Romans 12, because the Apostle Paul says, you have been given a gift. He uses past tense terminology. In Ephesians 4, it says, he gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists. Some people have that five-fold office. Some of us have that apostolic, prophetic, evangelist. Some of us have that. But in 1 Corinthians 12, this talks about the Spirit-baptized community being able to minister by the Holy Spirit. And so to the degree that we are equipped to know what this is, that's the degree in which we will minister by the Holy Spirit in addition to our abiding in Christ. If we're just not awake and aware to what God's doing, if we're just trying to get from point A to point B, well, we'll probably never prophesy or receive a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. If we don't have much of a prayer life, you're probably not going to hear much, right? People say to me all the time, I don't hear like you do. My first question is not to demean anybody saying, I pray and you don't, but my question to you without you looking at me is, do you have a prayer? Do you pray? And if the answer is no, you have to start there. You can't, we can't just say, I don't have an experience. Like, it's just about an experience. It's about a relationship. And in that relationship, God will put blessings and gifts and spirituals into our heart and into our hands, and they're meant to give out and to distribute, not to make us feel spiritual. They're not to make us feel powerful. They're, they're meant for us to give away. I mean, you could, I could keep, oh, keep going, Ben. So that's a lot of condensed material right there. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 through 3. Follow the way of love. That's how you minister. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Eagerly desire. Here's the question. Do you and I eagerly desire to prophesy? I mean, I think it would change something if we did, Right? And God wants to give us an appetite for this. That's why I'm having this gathering, to ignite something. Follow the way of love. So when you minister by the Spirit, do it in love. Some people will focus really hard on love and be like, 
all this stuff is unloving, and at the end of it, you just don't want to minister at all because, like, I'm not perfect. That's not the point. The point isn't don't do this because you're not loving enough. The point is as you do this, ensure that your motivation is to love the person while you're doing it. All right, it's a reminder. It's not a hindrance to the ministry itself, and we can't use it for that reason. Well, that didn't come off very loving. Tell them that. Speak the truth and love to one another. That wasn't very loving when you said that, but the word was right. You see, you see, what, I'm, see what I'm saying? Follow the way of love. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. My question is, do you eagerly desire spiritual gifts? You know, I think we need these gatherings to renew that desire inside of us. I, you know how many people I've had that were raised in the Jesus people movement say, Pastor Ben, I remember what it was like in the Jesus people movement, and I'm like, partner with me today to have another Jesus people movement. I was barely alive, people. <laughs> I appreciate your testimony, but do it again, right? I, don't you want a Jesus people movement today? I love hearing the testimonies of the Jesus People Movement. I love the fact that it was on Time Magazine. I love all of that. I've read about it. I want a Jesus People Movement in our day. And in those days, I hear, Ben, we talked about the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, the gifts of the Spirit were flowing. People were talking about Jesus everywhere. They were prophesying fools. But I'm like, do it again, Lord. Let's, we got to bring this stuff back because it's really in Scripture. A true revival is always about going back to the Bible. See what I do. I work hard. <laughs> Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, they speak to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. To strengthen means to build up, to encourage means to stir up, and to comfort means to cheer up. Don't you think we need more of that in the church? Here's a vision for a spirit baptized, spirit filled church is that everybody comes to the service fired up, fueled up, filled up, and ready to minister to the person next to them. What would church be like if you were carrying some kind of fire for the person next to you? You just, everybody looked over at each other, (laughs) you know, and nobody leaving without something. The conversation would not just be, what did you think of the message? The conversation would be, I cannot believe that person said that to me that we were sitting next to. We are sitting in the right section next week. And then next week, the same person or a different person says the same thing because we have a prophetic church. And it's not strange or weird. It's awesome. It's powerful. It's intentional. It's where you come to a gathering like this and you realize he knows the hairs on your head. He knows your name. He knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end, and he's using his people to show us that very thing, right? The demonstration of the Spirit's power. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul talked about, I did not come to you in the wisdom of men, but I came to you in the demonstration of the Spirit's power. This is what we desire, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. This is so important. I, 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 am, I thought about this. I used this analogy in my book, but I was one time watching television, and this Outback Steakhouse commercial came on, and they were showing a steak and asparagus and chocolate thunder cake, and it's huge cake. It really is. And it's like $21.99 or whatever. And, and, and I'm watching that. And for some odd reason, I'm thinking in my mind, like, I am never going to watch a commercial and just go to Outback Steakhouse, like, right after. Like, if I said to Bridget, hey, let's go to Outback Steakhouse, she'd be like, why? 
this is not going to happen, you know. So in my mind, I'm thinking, why would they spend all this money to advertise this steak and chocolate thunder cake and all this stuff if it's just a waste? Because I know I'm not going, so what, what's the thing? And I realized, you know what they were doing? They were planting seeds in people because... I thought to myself, I wonder how much money they spent on this advertisement. And I, and I remember doing just, does anybody else do dumb research? You just, it's totally insignificant. So, you know, I start looking it up. I think it was like $750,000, a million dollars they spent for a certain amount of airtime or whatever. And I thought, what do they know that I don't know? I would never do this. It just feels like a waste of money. What do they know that I don't know? Why would you spend a million dollars to show this? And they know something I don't know. If they can show it to people, they believe that the chance that they, when they're hungry and when they have a date night or when they have money, they're going to go to Outback Steakhouse. If I can show it to you, it will provide an appetite in you. One of the reasons that we don't see the gifts of the Spirit today is because we don't see them. If we saw them, then it would give an appetite. Now, we do see them sometimes, but if we saw them normal, if we saw them mainstream, if it, if it was naturally supernatural, and so kids saw their mom and their dad, and, and people saw other congregation members, young and old, men and women. Isn't that the vision of Acts chapter 2? If we saw the body of Christ, it would give us an appetite for it. And so it's got to start somewhere. So tonight we're starting at Ignite Conference or Ignite Gathering or whatever we're calling this is where we're starting. <laughs> How does prophecy work? I'm just going to bullet point this and then I'm going to demonstrate, okay? And then we'll move into something different. I'm shoving a lot into this time. I, I don't know if you can tell that, but I'm, I, I, really, I really am. I'm throwing verses at you even though I'm not giving you the address because it's really difficult to do that. The first way that prophecy works is we need to ask God for revelation, okay? It's a revelation. That means God's going to show us something. Now, there are three ways that you typically receive prophetically. The first is you see something. The second is you feel something. And I know we don't like the word feel, so I'll clean that up. And the third is we hear something. Now, when we see something, I'm talking about a vision. That's what the Bible calls it. And there are 230-plus references to dreams and visions. It's a big deal. People saw visions, people dreamed dreams. There are many revelations like this in Scripture. So while I pray for people, typically I will see pictures in my head. Now, I do not use the terminology in my mind's eye. And the reason I don't is because that's a new age term. So I know I've, I've heard it while I'm here. If you I'm just letting you know. I always say I saw this in my mind because I've been around new age people. I've led psychics and Satanists to the Lord, and they say, in my mind's eye. So if you use that terminology, I'm just encouraging you not to. That was free. Been to psychic fairs and stuff, that's what they say, so you just got to be careful. But we, I saw a vision using biblical language. I saw a vision. I saw a picture. I always say what I saw. So when I'm praying for somebody, I'll see a picture. When I pray before service, I see a picture for uh, the body, a corporate vision, picture that the Lord is giving. It's prophetic. And I feel something. Sometimes it's an impression. Uh, we used to call these body checks when I would travel more, but, you know, I'd walk into a meeting and my knee would just be killing me, and I never had a knee problem in my life. Now, as you get older, everything kills you. That's what, I, that's what my dad tells me. My dad says, don't get, you know, he's like, don't give words of knowledge about a back pain. Everybody over 60 is going to stand, you know. It's like, you have a back pain. Yep, that's me. You know, it's, it's 
Steve, we got to edit that. <laughs> so, but sometimes God will let me feel something, and it happens to other people more than it does me, but you can feel something, or you can have an internal impression. I've walked by people sometimes at the grocery store, and I'm, I can just feel, a lot of us feel bad things, like, ooh, there's something wrong with that person. It's like, that's not necessarily the Lord. That could be this thing called fear, all right? If it's always negative, like discernment is not just the presence of negative feelings toward people. Sometimes that's criticism. Sometimes that's fear. So I don't trust a person that always feels negative things. Now, if you feel positive things too, like, oh, that's, a, that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the present, that might be an angelic presence in here. That's discernment, right? That's, you, feel, you sense. You got, we got to sense more than bad stuff, right? And trust me, I know that it's prevalent, so I'll leave it there. Like the gift of discernment is not a critical spirit and an eyeball. You know, it's, it's more than that. So we see something, we feel something, we have an internal impression. Like sometimes when you're maybe like when you come to, to church gathering and you, let's say you're walking out in the foyer and you walk by somebody and you look at them. You've had this happen. I know you have. You look at them and you see something visibly different. He goes, something's different about you. Have you ever had that happen? And my, my theory is, if you see something, say it. You walk up to them and you say, I don't know how to say this, but when I saw you today, I could just see God's at work in your life. And they'll, they'll light up like a Christmas tree and go, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a woman. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I really feel like God's at work in my life. And you know what you did? You just spoke at it. You spoke to what you saw, and you, you highlighted what God was doing in someone's life. And you may say to me, Ben, that's not a prophecy, but a spirit-baptized community can discern and recognize this kind of stuff. And when we speak to it, guess what it does? It encourages someone. Because you saw it. You sensed it. You had an impression, and you called it out, and it made that person aware. And then they're walking. Their, their strut gets a little, you know, Powerful. It might, sound, it might sound crazy, but we're living in a time where people want to kill themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not, I, I, just want to, I just want to say this. Sometimes people in their mind, they're going like, Ben, you're saying that's just a little floozy kind of thing. That, that doesn't mean anything. You're talking about something that, that, that isn't costly, that doesn't mean anything, and it's not specific. And it's, it, sometimes a little encouragement will give people what they need to take the next step in their life. We're living in a world of discouragement. We're living in a world of pain. We're living in a world that just speaks negatively back to you. And when someone walks up to you and generally speaks a word of life to you, even if it doesn't make sense, it will do something in your spirit. It will ignite someone. You have an impression. I can't help but preach. I just, you hear something. I don't know. I don't hear the audible voice of God. I just, I want to, I've prayed, God, I want to hear your audible voice, even if it scares me out of my skin, I would like that. That does not happen. My friend did hear the audible, I, I've met people, one of my friends heard the audible voice of God, legitimately, it's how he came to faith in Christ. He heard the audible voice of God, and he came to Christ the same day, I mean, I think I would too. So that is one of my friends, but I've never, I can't claim that, I will only claim what I truly have experienced, I won't, I won't go beyond what... What I know. And so I hear the internal voice of God. Sometimes people say the still small voice. I just call it the internal voice of the Holy Spirit. And here's the deal the Holy Spirit lives in believers. So it just makes sense 
that you might hear. But you know what I've learned is we don't always discern when it's the Holy Spirit. It might sound like your voice. It might sound like something general. In chapter 4 of my book, Hearing God, I go through nine ways that God communicates, right? Eight of them are for sure in Scripture. One of them is my personal opinion, and I make that clear. I'm just, that's what I think, that, but I don't think there are 30 or 50, maybe. I, I don't think, but in Scripture, there's at least eight ways that God communicates to people in Scripture. We see that very clearly. And what I think is that when we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, a lot of times, he doesn't give me paragraphs. He'll give me a one-liner, and so I'm going to let you in to my pastoral ministry for a moment, okay? So I pray over all of the services alone, and then I pray with our team for just a little bit of time. But I pray by myself, and the Lord will give me phrases. And I know it's him when people speak it back to me. It's not just my creativity, because I'm not that creative. I'm not. I really do not feel like I have that ability. I, I, I feel like he'll give me this word and I'll hear it in my heart. It just, it just comes clear, and it sounds like it might be my thoughts. I'm not really sure. And I never say, this is God for sure, but I just share it. And when I share it, people will speak it back to me later on. I'll be, it'll be years down the road, and somebody will say, hey, you remember when you said? So I'll give you a couple that I've said since I've been here. If you've been around the church, maybe you haven't, so welcome. But if you have been around the church, maybe you've heard me say a few of these things, right? Anger is, is a good indicator, but not a good motivator. I heard that in my heart. Does anybody remember me saying that? Look at the hands. No, no, seriously, look at the hands. You remember me saying that? <laughs> I heard that in my heart, and I wrote it down before a service. I believe that was from the Holy Spirit. Now, I didn't say that when I said it, did I? I just said it, because I didn't want to be like, I claim this to be God. If it's the Lord, he'll back it up. I don't have to make a show of it. I just, that's what I did. That's prophetic preaching. So then another one would be feelings are real, but they're not always right. How many remember me saying that? Look at, come on, you listeners. (laughs) I love you already. (laughs) I heard that in my heart. I did not study that. That was just a thought. And you know what it is? It's not equal to scripture, but it was for a moment. That word was for a moment. It was for a person in the room. And what it would do is unravel a thought. Because we get log jammed. We get like that static electricity. We can't hear. And one word like that will go. And it will cause your ears to all of a sudden hear. Oh, yeah. I can't trust all of my feelings. This feeling that I'm having, it's real. I feel it. But it's not necessarily truth. Bam. It will cause the clarity to come. You hear what I'm saying here? This stuff happens to me, and, and, and I so appreciate the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. I just don't even know what I would do without being able to hear the Lord. So there's revelation. We, we receive from the Lord. In order to receive from the Lord, you have to put yourself in a place to hear. So this is prayer, fasting regularly, okay? And the, the more we listen, the more we ask, the more we seek God, He will speak to you. He will communicate with you and I. Number two is interpretation. Half of the dreams and visions in the Bible were symbolic, needed interpretation. This is where most people make the biggest mistakes when they prophesy. Interpretation belongs to the Lord. I I could go on with interpretation, but I sometimes will see pictures that need an interpretation. Does this make sense? And I think people can really miss it there, and it it happens quite often. And I don't want to get 
into that too much because that would be a lesson in and of itself. In fact, I have a whole lesson on this. But God will speak these kind of symbolic things. If your question is, why does God give us symbolic language? My answer is I have no idea. <laughs> I've, I always want things to be more clear. But what it does do is it incites us to be a pursuer of God. And that we need him not only for the revelation, but we need God to also interpret what he's saying to us. Joseph said, interpretation belongs to the Lord when he stood before Pharaoh. It does belong to the Lord. Like you see in scripture, bread can represent all kinds of stuff. A house can represent a life, church, family, nation. A rock, you know, can represent Jesus, God, Abraham, faith, stumbling stone, form of judgment, revelation of Jesus to his church. These metaphors are used all over scripture. So when you're praying for someone and God shows you a picture of a rock, it could mean a lot of different things. Or a picture of a lion. I see a picture of a lion. Some of you would think the lion of the tribe of Judah. And some of you would think Satan is a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Well, which one is it? <laughs> right? We need the Holy Spirit to help us understand what he's showing to us. It's very, very important. And the, and the, the third is administration. How we share the word is, is really important. And honestly, the only way that I can help people understand administration, revelation is, is easy. If you spend time with God and you ask him to speak to you, he, he will. Interpretation is the next step. If you don't understand what you're getting, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand it. He'll do that. Sometimes if you don't know, you just put it on the shelf and you, and you move on. You don't make stuff up. We don't make stuff up. But administration is one of those things where it's really important that we minister to people effectively. And this takes a long time to learn, and I don't present myself as a guru. Like, I really know how to do this well. I just have done a lot of this, and so, and I make lots of mistakes too, which I'm totally okay with, not at your expense, but at mine. So I'll make a joke about myself, and I'll laugh it off because, well, it's just better to do that than embarrass someone else, <laughs> you know? Because I'm okay with it. If people walk away saying, well, Ben's a whatever, that's fine as long as somebody doesn't get hurt. Right? I just don't allow that in my, in my sphere. But um, it's really important that we know administration can be, like if I were to say it's Gil, right? Yes. So let's just say I had a word for you that the Lord wants to strengthen you. And I would just be like, you know, Gil, um, uh, I, I mean, you're, you know, you're a believer. So, uh, and I, you, you, probably, you probably already, you know, you probably already know this. Uh, so, um, but, but you're here and I'm here, so there's, so that's important. And, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, you know, God, uh, he, uh, he, he, I mean, I mean, you know this, you know, you know this, you know this, Gil, you know it, but, uh, God, he, he, he loves you. And, and, and I sort of, th I think, I sort of think that, uh, maybe, uh, I mean, if you agree with this, that he, that he uh, wants, he wants to, um, he wants, he wants you to be, he wants you to, do, do you know what I mean? Like he wants to, you know, he really wants to, I mean, have you seen Street Fighter? I mean, it's just kind of the all you can thing. Have you, have you, maybe you should be strong. So how did that go? Did that, was that, flood that flow? So now he wants. If you said I was more than a conqueror, I'd say. Okay, so now he's going to go to the Bible on me. So what he just did was correct my prophecy. That's all he did. So, 
So administration, what, what I help people do, if you stand next to me, is just cut out all the stuff. Okay, so like, Gil, here's what I'm, here's what I'm sensing. As I saw you tonight, I felt really strongly that the Holy Spirit in this season of your life is strengthening you. In fact, what I see is that he's going to strengthen you like your backbone to be able to speak truth in places that have been very difficult to say, to say stronger words. There are hard things that he's given you to say, and they're costly things. And so he's going to give you the right discernment to know when and, to how, and how to say that. But right now he's strengthening you. He's going to strengthen you like your backbone so you can stand tall in the Lord and in his mighty power and say the things that he gives to you to say. There you go. Was that a little different than the first time around? Okay, all right. So, but but did I did I get did I did I get did I go? Oh, touch up. No, did I did I did I did I scare you? So, yeah, amen. So what I don't expect anybody to do is to do corporate prophesying. And I want to say to you, personal prophecy, when you speak to one person or two or three people, it's a lot different. Over the years, what I've done is I've people that are really accurate in their personal prophecy, I've given them a microphone, and it's terrible. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying, like, they just lose, they get disorganized. So there's a different anointing to bring a prophecy personally to somebody than there is to speak openly in front of people. Like you have to bypass all of that, right? Does anybody else get a little scared when you stand, stand in front of people? I just can't, whatever. So it takes a lot more to be yourself when you're in front of people. And, and it, just, it just does. I'm not shining myself on them. It's a different anointing. So I don't think everybody needs to do this, but what I'm demonstrating is not do it on the stage, but I'm just trying to demonstrate a little bit. Okay, can I do that a little bit? Okay. Pick me. <laughs> I just want to be led of the Spirit, but I believe being led of the Spirit means we ask Him and then we minister. So that's what I want to, to show you. I, 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 I'm not, there's no show here. It's just ask the Holy Spirit. And what I prayed for is that God would activate us. So use me. I'll be the fool. That's cool. Um, Matt. And then, sir, what was your name? Yes. Sean. Okay, I'm feeling a little pulled here. I'll be back to you. Um, Sean, I, I just, when I saw you, I, there was a picture in my heart, and I saw you reaching out for another, there's another guy. I saw you reaching out for him. There's a person that's walking down a path, and you can see that they're going in a direction that's not where they should go. And I just saw you just reach for them, and they were just barely like out of your grasp. And there was a, like a longing in your heart for this person to do the right thing and to be in the right place. And what, what I sense, though, in your life is that God's, God's put something in you like a rescuer. Like you have a desire to see people come back into a place where they should be, they ought to be. Not according to your standards and design, but there's just this longing that's going to get deeper and deeper and more clear. And you're going to have an imprint. 
There are some that will be out of your reach, but you'll still reach because it's your heart, and that's going to increase. There are some that you'll get your hand on them, and when you do, there will be an imprint that God will allow you to bring into their life that's of him. You'll have an imprint on the lives of people, and that's what I prophesy over you tonight. Your life will bring an imprint on the lives of other people. You may have been discouraged by the sum you can't reach, but there are those that you will according to the grace of God. And so I just give you that, uh, prophesy over you that uh, tonight. You said, Sean? See, I, I don't, I'm not that prophetic. I didn't know your name, Sean. <laughs> but I like you, man. Uh, Matt, my sense was, and we talked a little bit, um, I just really feel like the Lord's given you like the ability to bring things together, be, bring people together. And when I looked at you, I saw like a bridge. And sometimes that's a metaphor, Okay, God gives me a metaphor when I, when I pray for people. You're like a bridge. God's going to use you to build things together, bring things together, and uh, even broken pieces, even broken people. And specifically, you and Rochelle, I have a sense that God's going to use you guys to help patch up broken marriages before it's too late. And so I just prophesy over the both of you right now that the Lord, there's some marriages that are like crumbling on the outside, but internally there's still something to work with. And it's almost like plaster when it breaks, like it's still, the frame is still in place, but the plaster just falls off the walls. You guys are going to be able to help people get it back together and make it look better than it was before. In Jesus' name. We're so glad you were able to join us today. We would like you to find out more about Northwest Church by going to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or downloading our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church.